expansion no more struggle no more challenges no more battle because there comes a time where you need to rest from your battle and God said after today you shall rest from your battle the battle of your marriage the battle of your business the battle of your finances the battle of your sickness the battle of your shame the battle of your disgrace the battle of your setback the battle of the pains you don't want to forget God said you will rest from your battle And now, today's message with God's servant, Reverend Ismaila Awudu, Head Pastor ICGC Yahweh Temple, East Dagon. I'm reading the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6, from the verse number 1, going. The story centers around two major characters here. The first character is a king, and then the second character is a nobody. The king is King David, who is being described as a man after God's own heart. And the other character is Obed-Edom, who is a Gittite. In other words, he is not of a Jewish descent, which you can describe or you can call him an outcast or a Gentile, somebody who doesn't belong to the race of faith or the Abrahamic covenant line. And then you have the king who has everything, who God took from nowhere, from the backside of the desert, anointed him when he did not expect it, and became a king and began to rule. So these are the two major characters that place within this particular scripture. But this scripture also has a background history that leads to this. The background history of this is that before this time, there was a first king of Israel who was called Saul. And when Saul came upon the throne, Saul ruled on the land of Israel as a king. A lot of people study it and say, you know the story, God rejected Saul and took David in the stead of Saul. One of the critical things we don't get is that we think Saul, because God gave him, God gave Saul two major instructions. Two major instructions. The first major instruction was in First Samuel chapter number 13, where after immediately he was anointed and he came in, God gave him the first instructions for him to wait and then not to do anything until he, God, tells him what to do through his prophet Samuel. And around that time, there was a war between the Philistines and the Israelites, which is a constant thing that happens. So around this time, Saul was waiting for Samuel to come to offer sacrifice because until sacrifice is offered, he can also not go to war. So he has to wait for the priest to come and offer the sacrifice because in those days in Israel there are three major powers that functions just like you have the three arms of government the legislature, the executive and the judiciary there were three arms of government or three arms of power in those days we have the, the power of the priest we have the power of the judge and then we have the power of the king so the king is there the priest is there and the judge is there now what happened is that prophets that were selected by God specially to do the things of God operate in this threefold power. The priest, the king, and the judge. Now, when the people decided to select or to have their own king, the prophet have to cede one of his powers. Alright? So the prophet gave his kingship authority to a king. Just like any other nations. 
So Saul was the choice of men or the first government that was put in place as far as the Jewish nation is concerned. So God said Samuel should allow that for Saul to be a king because that is what the people were looking for. So Saul was selected based on the decision of the people. God asked Samuel and he went ahead to anoint Saul. So Saul became a king which was one power being taken away from the priest. Now the priest has two major powers which is the priest as his office and then the judge to be able to mediate between everything. The king cannot do anything without the priest giving him the release to do it. If he does anything contrary to it, he has sinned before God and God has the right to deal with him. So Saul was given an instruction to wait for the prophet, which is the priest to come, to offer sacrifice before he can go ahead, even though he's king and he has power. He could not wait. Reason is that the people that were supposed to give him the moral support and the strength, be it his leaders and all those that were around him, his men of war and everything, saw the advancement of the Philistines coming and the way they were aggressively attacking or they were coming, they got scared because Samuel is not still there. He was late. He was not coming. So they ran away and left Saul. The rest that were also left with Saul to be able to give Saul the strength were also afraid and their legs were even shaking. When Saul turns to them, he realized that no, these people, I cannot depend upon them. So the whole thing now came upon the shoulder of the leader and it's not easy to be a leader. So he has no choice than to go ahead and do something that he has not been called to do. And immediately he finished offering the sacrifice, Samuel appeared. And when Samuel appeared, Samuel told him, well, you have not acted right. You should have waited. The instruction is wait. Whether the Philistines were coming or not, you are supposed to wait. That tells you that if you are waiting for God, wait for God. It doesn't matter what you see with your eyes. It can be so close. It can be so dangerous. It can be whatever it is. If God say wait, wait. Tell the person wait. The spirit of waiting is a key that opens doors for your life. Because in your waiting period, you will see things that will scare you. You will see things that will put pressure on you to act. Are you there with me? Or do contrary to things that you are not supposed to. In your waiting period, if you don't take time, you will compromise. But you don't need to compromise. If the situation will be more tougher than even what you imagine, but you still need to believe God and stay within. Because God will surely come through for you. Once he has said, I will come, he will come. As to the time he will come, you will not know. Because God will not come at his own time. So when he says wait, you wait. Tell the person wait. There is nothing like rushing or running away. God will surely do what he has to do. But some miss that principle. So because he missed that principle, God has a problem with him. Then he gave him a second instruction in 1 Samuel chapter 15 to go and kill all the Amalekites and kill the king himself, Agag. Totally destroy everything that bears resemblance of the Amalekites. He doesn't want to see anything of the Amalekites. Saul went to battle obediently, killed everybody, including infants and children. After finishing all those things, he couldn't have the boldness to stand. He allowed the leaders again to select the best sheep and everything and took the goodies of the place and brought it to, back to Israel. When someone appeared and came to ask him the question, he said, oh, the people did that so that they can offer it to God. The instruction is that destroy everything, don't leave anything. Why do you leave some? If God needs the sacrifice, he would have told you. God said, I don't need it. Kill everything. So in other words, it is not what we give to God that makes God please. What God asks us to give him. Amen. Amen. So you can give God something and think that's what God knows. The instruction is that if God says, give me this, give God that. 
it might cost you but that is what god wants from you and that is where your blessing is tied it's not what you chose to give amen, amen. so so did well by gathering that is by that's what god was looking for so because of that god finally rejected him and said it's not going to make him a king again the next person is going to be David. In the next chapter, in First Samuel chapter 16, God started a process and sent the prophet Samuel to the house of Jesse and he anointed David to be a king. And then, God, by his own orchestration, moved David into the house of Saul to serve Saul so that he can understand how kingship is all about. You cannot be a master until first you become an apprentice. If you refuse to be an apprentice, you can never succeed in anything. Anything at all you want to do, somebody else has done it before. You need to learn. You can learn it closely or you can learn it from a distance. But the most important thing that you need to learn, there is nothing that guarantees success without first learning or studying. If you run away from apprenticeship of life, you will always fail in life. You will get so high, but you fall so low. Because it is your learning times that create your capacity to be able to handle the challenges of the future. Can I hear an amen in the house? So God knew he has anointed David as a king but he took him to the same person that was being troubled by an evil spirit to train him so that he would understand the palace rule and protocol and know how to be able to take care of kingship and the challenges kingship go through. So he made him the king's own special armor bearer. Hello? When you draw closer to the throne, it's an evidence for you to learn what lies ahead of your life. Anytime you have opportunity to draw closer to your boss, don't take it for granted. Amen? Because it is a sign of repairing you to your next level. Don't get complacent and don't think you know. Because you will miss it. Such opportunities are very, very rare to come by. Anytime any great person, anytime your boss brings you closer into his inner cycle, you have to thank God for it. Because he is not bringing you there just because you know, you don't know. He is bringing you there to impact into your life because he knows what lies ahead of your life. Saul was being troubled by an evil spirit, but Saul was the one who trained David. Eli has no eye to see. Even though his children are seen. But he was the one who interpreted the voice of God to little Samuel. Samuel became a great prophet but he took a blind person to be able to tell him that this is what God is saying so do it this way. No matter how you are, you cannot be anointed more than your boss. And if you fail to learn from them, your boss, you will fail in everything you do. Let me tell you something. Let me submit to you this morning. There is no greatness without somebody coaching you. Coaches are real to come by. But if you get your right coach, do everything possible to keep him or keep her. Because it's your lifeline for your next level of greatness. So Saul was able to coach David. David grew to become whatever. Out of the things God made Saul took David through, God was able to create a heart of worship, a heart of obedience, a heart of sacrifice, a heart of love for the things of God. Because God made Saul to trouble the life of David so that David would win himself away from arm of flesh to trust God and to understand leadership and to honor leadership. To the extent that even when he had an opportunity to kill Saul, he couldn't do it. Because he realized that this is it. God did not use this man for my destruction, but he used this man for my lifting up. Listen, God will not give you the boss you want. Sorry, the boss you like, but he'll give you the boss you want. I take it again. 
He will not give you the boss you like. He will give you the boss you want. Because the boss you like will play to your tune. But the boss you want knows what you need. So he will take you through the journey to get it done. And that is why a lot of us run away from. Hello? God never gives you a parent you like. He gives you a parent you want. Because he knows you. He created you. And any product God created, he decides to place the product under care and protection because he values that product. He does not create vagabonds. That is why he placed authority in place so that you submit to authority for your life to be regulated. Any head without authority is headless. So whenever you have an opportunity to come under authority and guidance and tutelage, if you read Galatians chapter 4, he said, even Christ, who is God, when he was a child, in other words, when he was growing up, he was placed under guidance and under governance and they were, he was taught. In other words, he was molded. He should have said, I am God in the flesh. I don't need anybody. But he learned carpentry. He submitted to his parents. At the age of 12 years, he knows his assignment. But when his parents confronted, the Bible said he humbled himself. For 30 years, he was submitting to authority. He was obeying. Even when the time came for him to enter into his manifestation, when he appeared at the Jordan, his cousin, John the Baptist was baptizing, who was older than him for six months. When John saw him, he said, that goes the lamp of, of God. In other words, you are greater than me because he has already told the Jews that the one that is coming is mightier than I. Even me, John, that you respect, I cannot tie his shoelace. In other words, the greatness of this man, even if I have the opportunity to tie his shoelace, I will thank God. And then Jesus appeared. This man that John has spoken well of appeared in the place and all of a sudden he looks at him and then he says, baptize me. John says, what? What are you talking about? You are greater than I am. You are preferred before me. I came to bear witness of you. In fact, I'm the voice that came to speak on your behalf. I am your messenger. I declared your presence. As a king, I declare your appellation before you appeared. Now you, the king, is saying that I, your servant, should baptize you. Jesus said, you are making a mistake, John. To fulfill all righteousness, you have to baptize me. I am here to announce to somebody. I feel this morning in my spirit that God is bringing somebody to greatness. But you can lose it if you don't know the respect that you give to leadership. Don't ever think in your heart that you know better than anybody. Don't ever think in your heart that you have arrived. Don't ever think in your heart that you don't need anyone in your life. You need your mother. You need your father. You need your spiritual authority. You need to submit. Because you see what your life is. It's not you. It's where God is taking you. It's where God is taking you. And Jesus went down into the water to be baptized three times. First, imagine, second, two, three. By the one that he was greater than. How many of you can be able to do that? It's a quiet. Don't you know me? Me, me, me. When I was being born, angel came and spoke to my mother. You, your, your father slept with your mother. Zachariah slept with Elizabeth. Elizabeth conceived me. Nobody touched my mother. And then you expect me to be some of us little anointing, pride. Little money, attitude changes. A house we are even squatting, we will say we are the landlords. 
Little opportunity somebody gives us, our attitude will change. No humility. Pride. Speak bigger than who we are. And yet we are believing God to lift us up. This morning I came to share some secrets with you. Because there is a journey of life. You can finish the journey shorter or you can elongate your journey. And there are a lot of people who have kept long on the way. People are passing them every day because of attitude. They are not, they are, it's not that they are not praying, they are praying, they are fasting, they are giving, but attitude is keeping them on the way. So people start today, you now they come to and pass them, and then they will look back and look at them. They are still coming. It is not about age. The Lord's anointed and walk away. Who is pastor? Who is this? And that is where you are cutting down your life and your blessings. You take it out every day. Anytime you raise your mouth against authority, you, you eliminate something of your life out. Hello? Bible says that he who, he, who is he who loves long life and wants to stay long, he should keep his mouth from deceit and should not speak lies and should be able to honor. If you do this, you live long. Ask somebody, do you want to live long? <laughs> Amen. So, this is a transition in the lives. Of Samuel. So after that, the obedience of Saul and all the challenges before Saul came on the throne, there has been a problem that confronted Israel. Eli, priest Eli and his children, Eli's children were misbehaving. That is why Samuel had the opportunity to enter into prophecy. But the challenge is that because of the obedience of the disobedience of the children of Eli, the ark of the covenant of God was taken away into Ezra. Went to the people of the Philistines stayed in the Philistines place and the Philistines, the Ark of the Covenant began to kill them. So they could not let the Ark of the Covenant go empty. They added offerings. Um, sorry, First Samuel chapter 6, you can read it later. So they took it and sent it away to go. And the Ark of the Covenant found itself in Kajas Benia and so he went there on a cart. And then the Ark of the Covenant stayed there. So a man and his house called Abinadab and his son Eliezer were consecrated to keep the Ark of the Covenant of God until a new king comes on so that an order can be prevailed. The Ark of the Covenant was in the house of Abinadab when Saul was made a king. Instead of Saul going to bring the Ark of the Covenant to its rightful place, Saul did not do that. So he was a king without a covenant, the ark of the covenant. You cannot be a king without the ark of the covenant because the ark of the covenant is the presence of God upon which a cherubim and a seraphim covers. Ark of the covenant is where you have the law, which is the Ten Commandments. In the ark of the covenant, you have the manna. In the ark of the covenant, you have the Aaron's rod that budded. They are symbolic representation of God's dealings with the children of Israel, God's faithfulness, God's obedience, God's order of doing things so he preserved it in the ark of the covenant so when you become a king you need to have this in you with you so that you can be able to serve god and know the voice of god and the will of god for the people and the will of god for your ministry and which god is setting you to do so failed to bring the ark of the covenant to his place once he was on the throne this was what angered god but you see sometimes god can get angry with you without telling you why he's angry with you God rejected Saul not because Saul offered a sacrifice before, uh, uh, what do you call it? S- Prophet Samuel came. Yes, he disobeyed by 
offering it, but he could have been forgiven. Saul was not rejected because he did not utterly eliminate the Amalekites. Because God could have forgiven him. It's because of the Ark of the Covenant. Anything that is of God, if you treat it anyhow, God will deal with you. So, the issue is that God now has a challenge. The, the challenge is that he, he has a problem that if you said you have brought you unto kingship, you should have recognized that I made you the king. So, the honor that is due me, you should be able to give it to me. But you refuse to give me my honor. With that, because you refuse me my honor, I have also refused you as a king. You rejected my honor, I have also rejected you. Anytime you reject the opportunity to honor God, God also rejects you. But anytime you honor God, God will also honor you. He said, if you honor me before your father and your mother and your friends and everybody, I will also honor you before everybody. He said, if you despise me before men, I will also despise you before men. Anytime you honor God in any area of your life, anytime you have opportunity to do anything for God or any person that relates to God or anybody that comes in the name of the Lord, God will surely look upon that thing to also lift you up and to honor you. There are some of you to Today, you are enjoying certain blessings. Your parents learn to honor things of God, honor men of God, honor children of God, honor missionaries, honor people who comes in the name of the Lord. And today you are preserved. Today you are blessed, not because of yourself, but because of that honor they gave them. Anytime you honor God, God will honor you. Anytime. 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 So when that happened, Saul was rejected, not because he did something outrageous, but because he did not place God in his place of honor. So here, the Ark of the Covenant was still in Ezra for 20 years. Tell somebody 20 years. And that's what I'm coming to. 20 years in the house of Abinadab. Abinadab and Eliezer were keeping the Ark of the Covenant, but there was no news about any blessing that is related to their life. There is no sign for you to say that because the ark, the presence of God is in the house of Abinadab, something is happening. Don't forget that the ark of the covenant is not an ordinary thing. It is God's own presence. And God's presence carries a blessing and also carries a curse. <laughs> Somebody say mercy. You see, God's presence carries a blessing and also carries a curse. If you approach God's presence with a heart of diligence, the heart of submission, the heart of reverence, you receive a blessing. If you approach God's presence with a heart of disobedience, the heart of stubbornness, the heart of unforgiveness, you receive a curse. So it is the state of your heart that determines whether you receive a blessing or you receive a curse anytime you come before God's presence. The same act of the covenant that is blessed, the same act of the covenant can kill. Follow me. So again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bar Judah to bring up from there the ark of God. Take note, the ark of what? He said, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. When David ascended the throne, he did not wait to allow space. Quickly, he went in to go and bring the ark because he knows the importance of the ark in the life of his kingship. Are you there with me? So he needs God's presence to be no wonder David won all his battles because he knows the secret. When God said David is a man after my own heart, it's not anything David did significantly 
as a human being that made God love him. God loved David because David reverences whatever concerns God. Anything of God, David reverences it. And for David to go into Ezra to break the Ark of the Covenant is a joy for God that this is a man who thinks of me. Listen, anytime you build a house for God, anytime you build a place for the things of God, God will never forget you and your generation. God will always bless you and will remember you. Because God needs a dwelling place. And whenever you create a dwelling place for God, you will never lack. A woman was sick and about dying in, the, in Nigeria. And they carried her, went to the hospital. The doctors declared that, look, this person cannot, she cannot leave. And then, so they have to be discharged from the hospital. They took her out of the hospital. And when they brought her to the house, she was going to die anyway and said the children should carry her to a church. Because she's a tighter, she believes in whatever, but that is not even her church, but I said they should carry her to a church so they, the children said, ah, but mom he said, but I'm going to die, so whatever it is so they carried her like that, bundled her, threw her into the church, he said I believe in the God of that man of God of that church, and I know if I get to that church, I'll be healed, they went and threw her into that church, there was nobody in church the woman forced herself and held on to a pillar just like this pillar some of you come to this church, you will be looking at these pillars. You don't even know there is a miracle in this pillar. Anything you come to, I have preached in places where I can even ask people to hold on to trees and the trees will take them off and throw them somewhere. Leaves alone can even affect people's life. I have preached in places that the very chair you are sit, they are sitting on, the power of God takes them and they, they can handle the chairs. You touch the chair, the chair will throw you somewhere. You see, anything that is in the house of the Lord, the drums, the instrument, the guitars and everything is carrying God's presence and anointing. Before you came in to sit on this chair, angels have already come to arrange the chairs with the ushers. Before you sat down, wherever you are sitting, that they ushered you to sit, is a place where they have placed your blessings. You don't get me. You see, you don't come to, when you come come to church it is not anything at all you can do you don't choose where you want to sit you don't choose what you want to do because everything is tied into programmed for what god has for you for that day so when god ushers you it might be a physical person ushering you but god has earmarked a place for your blessing that when you sit that is where your blessing is going to come from in the public place you can choose whatever you want to do you can choose whatever you want to sit you can choose whatever way you want to dance but when you come before his presence in his presence he has angels already before human beings because if you read Hebrews chapter 12 it tells you that we have come to the company of angels the church is a mystery it's not physical so anytime you approach God's presence that is why Hebrews chapter 6 says that anyone that comes to the Lord should first know that he exists and is the rewarder of them that diligently seeking that means before we entered into this door already angels are there before we took microphone to say we are doing praise and worship angels are already doing the praise and worship before we did intercession angels have already done an intercession before i come to preach angels have already started preaching are you understanding what i'm saying whatever we are doing is a replica of what is in heaven jesus said i saw my father do that is exactly what i am doing if you can't see you cannot do I am here to announce to somebody in your season of divine favor you have to know the protocol of God you have to know the order of God you have to know how to assess God's presence so that you can receive that favor permanently upon your life because you cannot have a favor for today and tomorrow you will be struggling favor is a permanent mark that should be on your forehead and that should be upon your life that anywhere you go you should be identified that you carry favor favor is not just a dress that you wear it today 
and throw it somewhere and tomorrow you wear this favor when you wear the garment of favor he has to be upon your life for the rest of your life anywhere you shall step men shall know that you are blessed joseph was blessed in that place they took his coat of many colors he was in egypt still blessed in the prison he was blessed before the king was blessed in his day was a blessed man daniel was taken from captivity he entered into captivity shadrach meshach abednego he was still carrying favor they threw him into the lions then the lions could not touch him he was still carrying favor you cannot tell me that favor is just for a moment favor cannot be for a moment it is for everlasting but you need to know how to assess the presence of the almighty that the favor of god shall abide upon you forever for bible says they that are planted in the house of the lord shall prosper and they shall flourish and they shall bear fruit even in their old age who am i talking to your old age will be a blessing because that is your favor for the blessings of the Lord make us rich and he had no sorrow he had no sorrow he has no sorrow he has no sorrow sit down and follow me this message continues after the break from the ministry of Reverend Ismaila Awudu Get these life-changing, inspirational, and spirit-filled books. The Mystery of Greatness, At Thy Word, Church Membership, The Blueprint of Marriage, and any other ministry product of his. You can get these in electronic format by purchase through downloading Reverend Ismaila Awudu's app from the App Store or Google Play Store. You can also purchase this book and other ministry product at the ICGC Yahweh Temple, Otinshi American House Last Stop, East Legon. Reach us on telephone, plus 233 233- Two seven seven two five zero four two zero or plus two three three two four nine three nine three three six one. Email us refismila at gmail.com. Visit our website icgcislegon.com. Grab your copies now and experience a change in your life. Welcome back. And that is a critical thing we have to understand. It is not only temporary. The favor of God is a permanent mark. A permanent marker you cannot erase. You can't erase it. It's impossible. Tell the person it's impossible. So he brought, he said, whose name is called by the name, the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart. Take note of what I'm sharing with you. Assessing God's presence and taking hold of his favor. He says, so they set the ark of God on a new cart. David set God's ark on a new cart, not an old cart. Tell the person it's not an old cart. A new cart. A new cart is a decorated uh, uh, horses that have been put in front and there is a wagon or whatever behind. Hello? And it is only royals in their days who uses it. So he put the ark of God on the most sophisticated royalty. Which in the outlook, everybody should applaud him because they are gold-plated and their horses are the finest horse you can find. To take away God's ark of the covenant. That shows the kind of respect and honor David has for God. But watch it. He says that, and they, so they set the ark of God and new cut and brought it out of the house of Abinadab. The one who was keeping the ark of the covenant for 20 years, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ayo, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cut. They drove the new cut. They were moving it. 
and said they brought it out of the house of Abinadab which was on the hill accompanying the ark of God and Ayo went before the ark then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fair wood or harps on string instruments on tambourines on citrums and on cymbals listen to me where I'm taking you you sometimes you get to a point you get discouraged you think God is difficult God is never difficult we are difficult because you see God will never change the rules to fit into what you want him to do he will always be where he is for you to come to him you see your ability to assess God is not because of your potential it is just by his mercies and God will always let us know that he created us are you understanding what I'm saying no matter how old you are when you still go to the house of your father and your mother they still see you as a child there is no child that is older that his parents can tell them you are old enough every child is still a child even when you are married and have children even when you are commanding things and you are even giving money in the house and taking care of your parents your parents they can look at your face and say shut up say shut up listen in assessing God's favor and maintaining that favor you have to know that we will forever remain children in the eyes of God don't let pride eat you up to think you have arrived God will forever see you as a child. Hello? On the day of accountability, I'll give an account of you. You might be older than me, older than anybody. No problem. Taller, shorter, longer, bigger. I look smallish. I went to a program and we're chatting. I was introduced. So when I introduced Pesachal Zoko and others were there, I was introduced. So when I finished, I sat down. Then there is a guy who was sitting by me. Then he shook my hands and we started chatting. Then when we started chatting, then he said, may I ask, for how long have you been a pastor? So we discussed, he said, by you yourself, how old are you? (laughs) Amen. Then I smiled. So I mentioned my age. He said, what? No, no, I don't believe it. You don't look like it. He said, yes. Then he ended by saying, you pray a lot. And that is why I now know it. I said, I said, what do you know? He said, yes, I know it. Because the more you stay in the presence of God, the more younger you become. If you want to live long and look younger, stay, spend more time in God's presence. Listen, I don't get up from the back of my bed enjoying myself and throwing my legs in the air and come and stand before you and say, I'm teaching you. Don't make a mistake. So whenever I stand here, I speak and preach with confidence because I know that God that has given me the information. You come and preach and people look at their face and say, you are the one he's talking to, you are the one he's talking to. Give me a break, I don't have time to preach about anybody. Because the Holy Ghost, that is that. Do you know what we go through? Throughout the week, before Sunday, you get a message to preach. Getting one message to preach is not easy. Then you come and waste your time and preach somebody. Then you are crazy. But the word of God is a two-edged sword that comes to correct and cut at ascender. When the word of God is correcting you, submit and get corrected and don't let pride eat you up. Don't let pride eat you up. Because God knows you better than even a pastor. He was driving that thing on a new cart. He has good intentions. Tell me he has good intentions. 
You see, for the father, you have good intentions of God does not necessarily mean God approves of it. So you say, ah, but I didn't do anything. This thing forgot to and all those things. Yes. You have good intentions, but God did not say, do it good intentions. He said, do it my way. If you are willing and obedient, he didn't say, if you have good conscience, you shall eat. He said, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. There is first willingness and there is obedience. They set it on a new cut. I'm just giving you a picture for you to see. Why should God break out with wrath and kill somebody? New cut. It's not old cut. Hello? After all, if you should be the Ark of the Covenant, you have stayed in somebody's house for a long time. Nobody even cares about you. Eh? And a new king is coming to carry you away. And they didn't even put you on any ugly thing. But they gave you a very nice thing. They, carry. they, they brought the, the, the horses decorated with everything, gold and everything. And they put, wouldn't you be happy? Oh, wouldn't you be happy? After all, you are going back to your base. Hello? But look at what happened. So he said, they were playing music, say music. In other words, there was entertainment. God loves music. David knows what God likes, what the food God eats. You see, when you have an opportunity, the next time I meet you, I'm going to share with you on praise and worship. When you have an opportunity to stand in the presence of God. You see, the choristers in Old Testament, they are priests unto the Lord. We, they, there is a whole family that handles worship. We call them the sons of Asaph. And anytime you come and handle it, they have to take a special bath. They are consecrated. And they will wear their linen effort. And their linen effort is the choristers robe or the dresses you see. That is why choristers wore something different from the congregation. They cannot wear their house dress to come and stand and sing. It is a priestly order. So when they come in and stand there, by the time they are standing, they have already soaked themselves in Paul's presence. They themselves are worshippers unto God first before they leave the congregation to worship. So before they come and stand before the congregation and say, let's lift our hands to worship the Lord, they have already worshipped God in their homes, worshipped God in their houses, burned their incense on the altar into prayer, into worship. Every praise and worship person or every chorister should be a prayerful person and a worshipper of God. And one of the critical criteria of it is holiness. Purity. Because in their days, if you are not pure, you cannot stand to worship the Lord. So when you are lifting the people before God's throne, you have already prepared. So out of you, because it is a whole section on its own, out of you comes God's power and God's presence. In fact, they, they prepare the presence of God before the move of God takes place. God cannot move until his presence is prepared. And it's the children of Asaph, the worshippers, they prepare it. We have ushers also who take care of the house. And we have those that take care of the instruments. They are all there. And we have those that take care of the altar. Call it the front liners or the ammo bearers. They are all in scriptures. And all of them are priests unto the Lord. I pray God give me the grace to teach, teach you on those things. But that is not what I'm sharing now. Quickly. Can I go on? I hope you have not lost. You are following me. 
So they brought it out. They put it on a new cart. And he said, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And I went before the music being played, which was, I was explaining to you, because they know the importance of the music, of instrument of fair wood and all those things. And said, so when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it. For the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah. And God strike him there for his error. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. And he called the name of the place Peruza to this day. Perez means breakthrough. Peruza to this day. That means God broke through against Uzzah. David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David will not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David. But David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was talking, David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that belongs to him because of the ark. Take note. The blessing is tied to something. There is a clause there. It says, because of what? Because of what? Because of the ark of God. Now, the same ark is what killed. Didn't that ark killed? The ark killed somebody. Someone who meant well. Hello? He did not mean evil. And I'll come to that place. But this same ark is at another man's house and it is a blessing for the person. What an irony. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom. He said, the Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all that belongs to you because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obedidom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a leaning ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. In David's reign as a king, he had opportunity to play the priestly role as well. So David was only, that is why Jesus is a king after the order of David. Amen which is the order of Melchizedek. David, instead of Saul operating only as a king and Samuel taking over the priesthood and the judge, I've taught you some three powers of government, isn't it? Okay, so follow me. I'll start asking you the question that you answer. Now, David is operating, Saul operated only in one, and in which one did Saul operated in? So Saul operated in kingship. And then Samuel operated in other two which other two did he operate in which other two did someone operate in so he operated in the judge and then the priest now in the days of david david had another grace of dimension he was not only a king he was also a judge and he was also a priest why because god can trust him with these three powers because he knows he cannot abuse it. Anytime God tests your heart to know what you can carry, he gives you all that you are looking for. So now he moves to that level and was operating on a tree. That is why he was wearing a linen effort. Every priest has to wear a linen effort. It is that which covers you and protects you. It is that which marks you out that you are unto the Lord. So when you have the linen effort, you have the access to the urim and the tumim. The urim and the tumim is the voice after the eyes of God, which is symbolic today of the Holy Spirit. 
So that is why anytime David is going to do something, he inquires of the Lord. You cannot inquire of the Lord if you don't have the Urim and the Tumim. In other words, you cannot know God's plans for your life or what lies ahead if you don't have the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you because it becomes the candle of your light. So you don't run to people and be asking them what is the Lord saying? You have to know because there is a spirit within you which is linked out to the spirit of the Lord. Whatever anybody tells you should be a confirmation of what you know. God, help me. So, because in the New Testament we are all priests and kings unto the Lord. So as a priest and king, you should wear your linen ephod. You should have your urim and your tumin, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. So when I stand here and I'm preaching, you should assess the message I am giving you, not on your flesh level, but on your spirit level. Because you are carrying your urim and your tumin. So you can discern the message I am preaching to you. Where any man of God comes or any man comes into your home and says, I came in the name of the Lord, you should know. When you are sitting before a business partner, your instinct should tell you whether the person is true or the person is fake. Because you have your urim and tumin with you. I don't get excited by big talks. Hello, I can listen to you. I can applaud you. <laughs> but what the spirit will be telling me is what I work with because I've seen it more. Give me a wave. Are we getting some way? This message you need to preserve it as an archive for you. Amen. So he moved from there. He was wearing a leaning forward because he was a priest. So he knows what he was doing and he did it with what? Gladness. But listen to me, this is where the problem is. They brought the ark and when they got to Nacon's stretching floor, don't forget that he brought the ark on a new cart, say a new cart. And then he had choice men, people who were well decorated to carry the ark. And he had Uzzah and Ahio who were Jews to bear the ark. Hello? So he did everything that is within his power to make the thing work. But that was not what God was looking for. Because the order of the honor of priesthood is that when the priest should take the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant is not supposed to be on a four ties, on a cart. The Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be carried on the shoulder. Say carry on the shoulder. Say order to assess God's favor. So David, even though David thought he knew God, (laughs) even though David thought he knew God, he missed God because he did not follow the instructions. Sometimes you can think you know God and get complacent, but you miss God. That is why the more you grow in in the Lord, the more careful you should become. It is very easy. That is why it's very easy for somebody who has been a Christian for 20 years and 30 years to be rebellious as against somebody who just knew the Lord. The more you, 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 you get closer to God, the more you read, the more you pray, the more, the more you become complacent to think you know. So sometimes it gets to a point you settle in the flesh. So what do you need to ask God to guide you? You use your mind. Because it's very easy. You know what buttons to press. You know how to change your tongue in, in speaking in tongue. And do your face some style. So you, 
You always come before with the Lord with some kind of arrogance and pride because you think God has now become your body, but you know him. It's like if you have more access to your boss or you have more access to your father, at a certain point, it becomes common. First, you started by knocking before you go to him. Or you started by passing through protocol before you get there. Now, when it becomes common, you know, even at midnight, you can call and all those, it becomes complete. So sometimes it can be in the room, even undressed. You just bang into the place and you can go and see even his nakedness. And that is how Christians will become. When we begin growing and getting familiar with God at a certain level, we will start getting complacent. Because I can, I, I can live anyhow because when I sin, cry is normal. So sin now becomes normal of your life. Because if you ask for forgiveness, God forgives you, so it is natural. Lies becomes normal. Hello? Because when I lift up my hands, it's just like you fornicate and all those things. But when you learn upon people, people are still being healed. And the cripples are walking. The blind are seeing. So you think, well, I have arrived. In any case, maybe it is the, it is the fornication that is giving me more anointing. So let me do it more. You pick the microphone and when you say, let's worship the Lord. The anointing is flowing. Yet man of God is anointed by the proportion of the need of his house. If you are called as a domestic pastor, you are anointed with a domestic anointing. If you are called international, God gives you that grace because you have to move into other, you, the challenges, any challenge you meet or you meet in your ministry, that is the proportion of the anointing you carry. God will not give you more than that. Hello? So David became complacent with God. Tell us, don't be complacent with God. You see, don't get to a point with your work with the Lord and begin calling your credentials. And I have known the Lord for 20 years. I have known the Lord for 30 years. And I am this. And anytime you meet them, I am sick and tired of those people. Some of them, when they meet you, all of a sudden, do you know we are the founders of ICGC? We did this. We did that. You see, sometimes we're even sitting with other people. We're all eating together. And so what? And so what? And that is what is killing organization. We have to know that, yes, some people live it, but God has built on and we are going on. And there are a lot of people that Jehovah says has even moved on. They don't even know he's moved on. When they are talking, they will look at him and say, Mensa. Oh, yes. Because, you see, in the same way, those that knew me when they are, oh, it's my life. It's my life, dear. So you get his smile and dear blessings. It's as simple as that. You can give birth to your child but your child will be anointed more than you. And if you don't give your child his rightful place of honor, you will miss it. Your child, if you address your child, oh, is it coffee you are calling the president? Oh, oh, coffee, let him be there. You will receive coffee. But when you see him as the president, you will receive the president's blessings. If you see your mother as a mother, you will receive a mother's blessing. If you see her as your body body, you will receive a body body's blessing. Any way you represent somebody, that is how you receive a blessing. That's how you receive a blessing. Am I preaching somebody? Are you being blessed? It's important to know. Don't ever get complacent with God. In fact, even if God is pulling into his bedroom, tell God, let me give a space. Hello? Don't ever get too close with your boss. Always leave a space. Leave a line of respect. Leave a line of honor. Because you can easily miss it. You can easily miss it and you will not be blessed. 
So David at this point was so excited. He was so enthusiastic. He's bringing the Ark of the Covenant. He's bringing it back. Scott did not bring it. So let me give him a new cat. Let me give it back. Is that what God was looking? God said, let the priest bear the Ark on their shoulder. And before they do that, let them be consecrated before they can carry it. He didn't do that. He didn't make them put it on their shoulder. He put it on a cart. He was creating a new order for God. God does not need a new order. He wants his old order. That's why he's the ancient of days. So when they were coming and the thing stumbled, because the guy does not have the skill, <laughs> because he was not a priest, and because the ark was not being carried on the right shoulders, but on the cart, it stumbled. A lot of us are stumbling in life. Because the ark of the covenant, which is the Holy Spirit presence or the presence of God in our life, that is supposed to guide us, is outside us. So anytime we get to rough terrains, knuckle stretching floor, where the place is rough, and the thing begins to balance, which is our life and our character, the cart represents our life. When it begins to balance and we see challenges there, instead of being still and know that the Lord is with us, we cannot, we want to stretch out our hands to hold on to the Ark of the Covenant. So that is why you see people go into certain things. They have to go and get some fruit water. Go and get some water here. Go and get this prophet there. Go and get this seer here. Go and get this pastor here. Go and get this bishop here. Go and get this water here. Because the thing is that you are in a challenging situation. The place you have entered into your natural stretching floor. The place is a rough terrain. But if you don't understand it as a worshiper and a child of God, you will make a mistake of your life. Because everybody will be bringing you so many suggestions. Your thought will be speaking to you. Your mind will be speaking to you. Your friends will be speaking to you. You will receive all kinds of suggestions from every angle. And if you don't take time, if you don't keep still within you to have the presence of God in check, you will stretch forth your hand to try to help God in the situation. In trying to help God in the situation, you will end up destroying yourself. A lot of us have tried to help God. And we have missed it. We have missed it. If God would have come here, I'll come here. So let me do it for God. After all, God knows and God understands. God understand. Is that what God asks you to do? Hello? So they got to that neck contraction floor. The thing was shaking and Uzzah stretched forth his hand and God killed him. Because first, the order is that carry it on the shoulder. Two, be consecrated. Three, I don't need you to protect me. But he failed. And God killed him. Now when that happened, David was scared. And was angry. This is where our attitude comes in. When we don't do what God requires of us to do. And things go bad. Instead of us understanding it and admitting. That I did not do it the way God wanted it. God forgive me, we get angry. And then he took the Ark of the Covenant aside to a house of Obed. Obed means a worshiper of God. Edom means food. So he's a worshiper of God with food. So he took the Ark of the Covenant aside to the house of Obed because he doesn't want the Ark of the Covenant to come and kill him. And he was what? Angry. Say angry. Say angry. Tell somebody else the person, are you angry now? How many people don't get angry with church? How many people don't get angry with the pastor? How many people don't get angry with giving? How many people don't get angry with communion? How many people don't get angry with tithe? We get angry all the time. 
Yet we don't understand that these are ordinances of God and the order of God in the house. You hear people say, how can I go to a church of a pastor I am older than? Oh, have you not heard it before? Mm. Because the truth is that the person cannot understand God in this place. We have people that are older than me and they are still serving. Give it a clap for the elderly ones in the house. God bless you. That is what a young one should learn from. They are not even creating problems. You are always creating problems. So, what am I saying? This revelation has to dawn upon a man to understand that, look, assessing God is different from assessing man. So, man can let you do it his way, but God has his own way, which you need to do it. So, Uzzah, David took the ark and placed the ark in the house of Obedidom. Because I don't want to die. So Obed and his family should die. There are some of us who put our Bible aside when things does not go well because I have served God all this while. You know why David did that? David thought he was doing God a favor. David thought he rather was doing what God wanted him. Why should God kill? And that is the problem with a lot of us. We get to a point in our service in the house of the Lord doing things for God and when we are rebuked or you are checked or whatever, we get offended. Offense is what kills the church. Offense. And when I was sick, the pastor did not visit me. And when I went there, the pastor was not there. And when my head was there, the pastor was not there. And when he did and when I and when I, and when I after saying we asked the person, so what have you also done? Do you even know the pastor's phone number? Me? Who did you even tell that you are sick? No. When you were traveling, did you tell anybody, Debbie? Because you have made the church as your shopping center. You enter in and you go out. And if you make the church your shopping center, you'll be treated as a shopping center customer. But in every shop, there are customers and there are clients. Hello? A customer is the one who is coming to buy and go. By clients, they stay. They have goodwill. They come there. They know their contact number. When the goods come, they will pick phone and call and say, Hey, Auntie Adria, what are you doing? We have got new delivery of laces. So can you come and check your own? But do they have the contact number of everybody? No. As a person, are you a client or a customer? Feel membership for you, not feel it. Do this, you not do that. But you say you are in the church. Any little thing, you have a problem and you are complaining. Do, there are people who don't even know how the church operates because you are not involved. As a person, are you committed or you are involved? This one is additional. Go and check. There's a difference between being committed and being involved. You can be committed to something, but you are not involved. When you are involved in something, it costs your life. When you are committed with it, it doesn't have your life. The egg and the bacon. The egg is from a hen. So the hen, if you are frying the egg or cooking it to eat, it is just committed. Because that is his assignment. He has to lay eggs. But his life is not involved. But if you take the bacon, hmm, the pork bacon, a life of a pork was slaughtered. And that is what you are enjoying. As a, so when you are enjoying the baking, you know you are enjoying somebody's life. But when, but when you are eating the egg, you are, you are taking somebody's byproduct. And there are Christians who are involved, but they are not committed. In this church, I needed you to be involved and not to be committed. Tell somebody to be involved. 
and not being committed. Hey, women's ministry you will not come. Men's meeting you will not come. Tuesday service you will not come. Thursday you will not pass by. Sunday you will come and you will be late. And you will come today. Three days time you will not come. Four days time you will appear. You come in as and when. Anytime things are going on well, good, you will come. When things are not going on good, you will not come. There are other categories. When things are bad, they will come to church and show their face, lift up their hands, give their time, pray every time. When everything goes well for them, that is the end of the time of the church. Like a man they met. He said, why are you not coming to church? He said, this is not here. He said, ah, the man was sick and was healed. And then when they met, he said, are you not coming to church? He said, ah, but when you go to the hospital and get here, do you go back to the hospital? <laughs> David took the ark. He said, I don't want it. Let it be in the house of Obedido. But Obedido know the secret. And this is where I'm concluding. When the ark that killed got to the house of Obedido, Obedido was not a Jew. He was not a priest. He has not been consecrated. He was supposed to be consecrated to handle the ark, but he was not even consecrated. He was not even a Jew, but he was a worshiper of Yahweh. He was a worshiper of Yahweh. Sometimes you find people who come into the church, into the house of the Lord, and they will come and take favor away, and you will be in the house for all the years, and your blessing is not coming, and you think God has not loved you. It is not that God has not loved you. You are too conversant with the house, you are too complacent with the house. There are others who come in, they don't see what you see. What they know is that they have come before God's presence. They open their heart to receive. They are not waiting for pastor's dress or mark pastor's grammar or look at pastor's leg or look at the way pastor does things. All that they know is that I have come before the presence of the Lord. I am coming to receive from the Lord. So they enter in one day and one day they walk out with their miracle. The same hand that touches you, that nothing happens to your life. They touch them and they have a testimony. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So how do you even relate with God? How do you relate with God? Obedidom. The thing got to Obed's house. And Obedidom got the Ark of the Covenant. Instead of the Ark of the Covenant keeping your belly down, you know what he did? He knows the Ark of the Covenant needs respect. So every morning, he will go and bow before it. And then he will lift up his voice. You are the king. You are Yahweh. You are the I am that I am. The Israelites have spoken about you. The Jews have talked about you. I praise you. I worship you. You are not my God, but I have taken you as my God. I will serve you for the rest of my life. I will give you all that I have. Then he knows and understands that look, the ark of the covenant needs sacrifice. So he will put sacrifices there. He's just doing what he has to do anyway. But God saw his heart. That listen, he doesn't understand it, but he's trying to do something for me because he is not even qualified to do it. But he's making an effort, and based on that effort, because God will reward you on what on your heart and not what is on your mind. So God look at the genuineness of his faith. He look at the simplicity of his heart. He look at the simplicity of his doing things. That this is not sophisticated, but a person is just being honest and truthful to me. He looked at it and said, "Let me surprise Obedidon with my blessings," and all of a sudden the chickens of Obedidon were being blessed when they first they were giving birth to one now they were giving birth to triplets and thousands he said look let me slap you with money Obedidon started receiving foreign currencies he said let me slap you in cars you enter into Obedidon's house now he has packed all kinds of cars he has different kinds of cars and different modes and shapes contracts and businesses were coming to Obedidon everybody in the town began to hear and to know that Obedidon is being blessed listen when the king hears of your blessing it means that your blessing is not cheap if the president should 
hear that Ismaila is blessed, he might not be an ordinary person. It means that because his ears are not for ordinary gossips, his ears are for heavy duty gossip. Are you understanding what I'm saying? But I declare to you today, when you come before the Lord with the simplicity of your heart, God will bring you to the level of where your blessing shall be known because he will surprise you with his favor. He will honor you with his glory. You have to be like Obedidom. You don't have to be like David because David thought he knew God more than anybody. But Obedidom said, I don't know him, but I will still serve him anyway. I declare to you today, be like Obedidom. I said, be like Obedidom. Don't look at anybody. You don't need to be audacious. You don't need to be extravagant. You don't need to pretend. You have to be real before the Lord. And once you are real before him, the Lord who sees in secret shall reward you in the open. Are you understanding what I'm saying? You cannot dance the way they dance. You cannot sing the way they sing. You cannot pray the way they pray. You cannot clap the way they clap. But God knows who you are. Are you understanding what I'm saying? In your room, he knows how you cry. In your room, he knows how you talk to him. You might not know more scriptures, but the scripture you know can even be John 3.16. But you use your John 3.16 and you pray to the Lord. You don't even know how to pray well, but you can use our Father who art in heaven and God will hear you. You don't know how to say anything. You know only of Psalm 23. Your Psalm 23 shall be your deliverer. Who am I preaching to? You can't quote many scriptures, but you know only of one scripture. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Lord shall bless you with it as you approach him in your simplicity God will honor you above everything you don't need to be like David don't prepare a new cat for God because God is not looking for a new cat and don't bring choices men because that is not what he was looking for and don't send him instrumenta because he was not looking for that one ah what he's looking for he needed a vessel that is willing a heart that is willing a heart that is ready a body that is prepared it is not what you say I am it is not what they say you are it is what God says you are you just have to know yourself don't compete with anybody just be yourself in serving God are you understanding what I am saying you might not preach like the way they do it but do it the way you know how to do it are you understanding what I am saying you can sing the way they sing but sing it the way you can sing it Ah, who am I talking to you cannot do it their way but do it the way God wants you to do it because all cannot be equal I speak to you today. Don't compete with anybody. Don't try to be like somebody. Ah, if you lift up your hands, uh, they will talk about you. But when you feel like lifting up, ah, lift up your hands. Uh. When you sow a seed, uh, they will talk and sow your seed anyway. Ah, if it's about you, you feel like dancing, you dance to the Lord. Uh. Who am I talking to? You don't need to listen to anyone uh, because you have to serve the Lord and serve you with a simplicity in your heart uh, and know what men are saying because God look out at the heart and not at the outward appearance oh Benidon was simple with the Lord he was not sophisticated like David uh, I don't want you to be sophisticated with God I want you to be honest with God uh, somebody be honest with the Lord uh, ah be honest with him uh, for when you fall we fall unto the Lord and when we rise we rise unto the Lord for the righteous shall fall seven times and seven times shall rise again don't let anybody condemn you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because our righteousness is of the Lord. And it is not of man. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be yourself. The favor of God is upon your life. You have to be yourself. You know yourself. Worship the way you feel like worshiping. 
where you need to cry, cry unto the Lord. Where you need to dance, dance unto the Lord. Where you need to sow, sow unto the Lord. Where you need to clap, clap unto the Lord. Where you need to offer, offer unto the Lord. Whatever God tells you to do, that is what you need to do. Because the Lord is watching over you to bless you. To bless you. To bless you. Don't follow those who think they know. Because they eat with the pastor or down with the pastor. Or they think they have God's address. So they tell you, oh, if you can read God, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, call upon me. But there are some people who call and they don't hear anything. Hello? Let me conclude. Jesus shared a parable. He said there was a service in Ephesus Pharisees. The Pharisee and the Jew. And then this task collector stood before the Lord. And the Jew thought he knows. When he stood before God, he said, God, look at me. I pay my tithe. I give my offering. I do this in the church. I do X, Y, Z. I am not like this task collector. And the task collector stood before the Lord. And could not even lift up his eyes before the Lord. But bowed down his head. And beat his chest. and said, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. And bless me. And Bible says that Jesus asked them, who do you think the Lord will hear? Listen to me. I am here to tell somebody, drop your garment of pride. Because you don't know God yet. I said, you don't know God yet. I mean, give me a break. Don't let God, don't feel like you know the Lord. And somebody does not know the Lord. You look down upon some people. You think they are closer to the gate of hell. You think they are going to perish. You will get to heaven and you will know the shock that you are going to receive. With all your big tongues, you find yourself in burning hell fire. And the one that cannot speak that big tongues, you find him sitting at the right hand of Jehovah. Because you see, it is not tongues you speak. It is about your understanding of God. Are you understanding what I'm saying? How do you approach God? How do you approach him? Do you approach him in self-centeredness? Do you approach him in self-righteousness? Or you approach him in humility? In coming to him, just as you are. And saying, God, I don't deserve this. You lifted me from nowhere and made me who you want me to be. If it is not for you, I am consumed. It is just by your grace that I live. Your mercies I knew every morning. I come before the Lord. God Almighty, you are the one that can save my soul and deliver me from all these sins of my life. Lord, make me a brand new person. Have mercy upon me. Take me to your next level. My heart is broken before you. I weep not because I want to cry, but I am crying because I need your help. I want you to make me what you want me to make me and I will save you the rest of my life. All that I have belongs to you. You are my God and you are my king. Lead me this day into whatever I'm going to do and guide my path from evil. Protect me and safeguard me. The Lord will hear your cry because God will not abuse and abandon you. Who am I talking to? You don't need to speak big things to God. You don't need to go and rehearse a prayer and have a prayer written on your paper and come to the Lord and say, Hey, and this is what God your word says. And all those let me tell you something. Before the Bible was written, people were praying and God were hearing them. Are you understanding what I am saying? So it is not how many scriptures you quoted, it is how you are related with God in the simplicity of your heart. Who 
am I preaching to today? If you know the scriptures, they're better. If you can quote them, they're better. But don't let that stop you from praying. Because you don't need any sophisticated way. You can do the sign of the cross. If you believe in your sign of the cross and you believe in Jehovah, God will honor your sign of the cross. Am I talking to somebody here? Your faith, your faith, your faith, your faith. Like Obedidom, like Obedidom. You shall be blessed. Your household shall be blessed. Your business shall be blessed. Your marriage shall be blessed. Your job shall be blessed. Everything you do shall be blessed. Because you chose to honor the Lord for the little that you have. And the Lord looks up to that and said, That goes my daughter. That goes my son. He or she is not showing off for people to see that look, he has more. But in his corner and his simplicity, he is doing things unto me. Because God, if you serve him in darkness, he will reward you in the light. And that is what I live with you today. Be what God wants you to be. Serve him and don't be intimidated. Don't compare yourself with anybody. He knows your heart. He knows the state of your mind. In that simplicity, will come through for you. Don't try to be intimidated. Ah, your oxy may be stumbling. But don't push your hand to help God. God knows he will come through for you. He has delayed, but you will come. His delays are your blessing. It is not to destroy you. At a point that which is now, he shall favor you. And he will surprise you with his blessing. Rise up on your feet, somebody. Thank you very much for listening. This is a message from ICGC Yahweh Temple, East Legon. We know you've been blessed by God's word. For more quality and practical teachings of Reverend Ismaila Abudu, visit us online at www.icgceastlegon.com or email to yahwehtempleicgc at gmail.com or call us on 057-2260-434 or 057-2260-435. You can also worship with us on Sundays from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. On Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. to 8.30 p.m. for our empowerment teaching service. And Fridays at 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. for our breakthrough prayer service. You can also connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. God bless you. And my Lord with you, I know.